spookiest time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. We prayed it would never happen again. Now, from the creator of Evil Dead, comes Evil Dead 2. All right, everybody, welcome back to 31 for 31, a Halloween playlist podcast hosted by a trio of guys watching some movies and just randomly chatting about them. I am Chris Boniello, along with Cody Mason and Jamie Lansdowne. What do we got today on day 13 of our list? Yeah, day 13, episode 13, lucky number, evil number 13. We are watching Evil Dead 2. Dead by Dawn, Whoa. sometimes is known as. The squeakwall. <laughs> the subtitle that is sometimes forgotten, sometimes never addressed, sometimes yeah. a tagline. like <laughs> Yeah, it's. I feel like it's in two of the trailers and that's it. And I've never seen it anywhere else other than like that one poster that also doesn't make sense. Is this but. the first squeakwall that we've done on the podcast? Ooh, that's no, a good question. No, Harry Potter 3, yes. which, is, which, yeah. was a, which was a threequel, not a... Alvin and the Chimpunks. Yeah. Squeakwall. Not okay. a squeakwall. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Well, you know, it, the, the question really becomes is this movie a squeakwall? Well, it could be a uh it could be a sequel plus a a soft reboot. A requel? Plus a, a requel plus a hard reboot plus it Nyquil. Know, there is a YouTube video where Bruce Campbell does explain where the two movies intersect and basically the beginning of the movie is a retelling, and then there's a moment when he's flying through the sky, and that's basically when the second movie starts. Okay. And we should also say that this is, once again, as the first Evil Dead is directed by, this one is directed by Sam Raimi, and this came out in 1987. Samuel Ryan. I like to think of it as like an attempt to. Yeah. Well, we have a little bit more money. like <laughs> The money cut, yeah. <laughs> and there is some fun history behind if we want to get into it now, where they made Evil Dead 1, huge, unexpected hit. It played at Con. Stephen King loved it. And yeah. like it I grossed mean, out. Stephen got King the kind King of bump. like made it a thing. They use that quote yeah. like everywhere. He and was in the like house the, that Freddie built, picked it up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was. Yeah. He, he was like the godfather that like shepherded the first movie into like success. It was like a huge grindhouse hit. That's actually a good question. Is, is New Line Cinema really the house that Freddie built? Because this came out three years earlier, you know. Anyway, was it was it a new line movie? Yeah, well, yeah. The first one was, was also. That's after uh, Stephen King was all into it. New line. The second out. one doesn't. It says that it was not. It was not new line. According they, to my, they were they had moved on to Freddy. Freddy was yeah. the new sweetheart. So they well because they yeah they made else. their own. Mm. I don't know if it, they did the rosebud one for the second one or whatever it was. I don't know if they yeah, want to keep yeah. the money, but yeah, the first one you got. A $375,000 budget, and then you quickly jump in this one to $3.5 million. And I think they used all of it all over the screen <laughs> in every single scene. All on blood, baby. Yeah, and as with the first one, this film follows Bruce Campbell playing Ash Williams. And it starts off with a little bit of a rehash of the first movie. He goes to the cabin. Somehow the other friends from the first movie don't exist in this rehash. <laughs> and he's there. And where with, is the cabin? He's there with Lyndon. It it's is in the woods. It is in the woods. <laughs> I think it's in Michigan, but I'm not sure if that's just where they shot or if there's anything that says it. I can't remember if 
if it says why they're there don't ruin the movie for me yeah <laughs> but then uh, <laughs> Do a quick fast forward through the uh, romantic getaway linda quickly turns evil and is quickly dealt with and then as ash is flying through the sky we get into part two yeah linda's not a juicy role in this one no linda linda's in and out you know she has a little bit of head dancing yeah and headless the, dancing. i guess the problem is that linda the character gets a lot of action but it's mostly from stop motion claymation not the actual actress i'd say she gets a little juicy when she gets sawed in half by chainsaw <laughs> speaking of getting a little juicy this was the first movie that we all watched on a couch together, by the way, guys. Yeah, How juicy that's right. That? You know, it was, that's a it juicy was very little, juicy. That's a juicy little nugget for the listeners. We've yeah. been watching I, remote. We've all been vaccinated, you know, at time of recording. And this was this was a delight to to watch communally. I rode the subway to Manhattan to hang out with you guys. He had to write down my address because his phone died. And we made, oh, yes. Was <laughs> yeah, a, on a luggage tag, there was a whole... Uh, it felt like I was back in New York pre... Uh, understanding 1987 even, yeah you know? <laughs> there wasn't you even know? a payphone. i had quarters but there's no way to find you guys <laughs> yeah well the energy of this was electric yes based it was a communal view it was a very fun one to watch it yeah together. i couldn't think of a better movie to sit and watch have pizza and drink like a few beers with yeah this is like exactly the environment to do that and it's like, one where i feel like at this point i I can't imagine there's too many people that have not seen this movie. So it is it is a fun one where every time you watch it, you're finding new things. You're you're rehashing jokes that you've told before when you've watched it. You're looking at the screen and trying to figure out how they did some of the different tricks. And everything is just done practically and just looks so amazing that it's it's fun in the day and age of going to CG and some stuff to, you know, watch a classic like fake mirror where, you know, the real actors on the other side. And the the movie magic actually happens in 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 camera, much like what Francis Ford Coppola did in Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> hey, no, that was real. I don't I don't want any slander on uh, <laughs> FCC BCs D. On this no podcast. slander, just saying that we love in camera practical effects. It's true. And the they- uh, the Lahane shot, if you will. I, you know, um, yeah, I think this one for me. You know, it is tough to rate against predecessor. I think a lot of people would try to say it's, you know, a clear case of better sequel. I do think that there is something about the first one that is scarier, that does have a more tangible sense of like the group. If you want to talk about Cabin in the Woods as the movie Cabin in the Woods and just like tracking the comings and going of the group and then eventually having ash be the final guy in it like i think that the dynamics are a lot better there as opposed to this which is just really i mean it's it's a a tour de force half of a movie of just following him punching himself but it's uh, it's the it's the it's hard for me to judge yeah it's about it's about even they're two very for having such similar plots they're very two very two very different movies in tone for me yeah it's it's a fun one to watch especially if you were to watch the two of them maybe give yourself a week between them but it's it's like watching a comedy troupe come in and do like a skit of it, but they were given way more money and they get to go wild on it. <laughs> and it and you know, keep some of the same tone, but everyone's just clearly having fun. But yeah, you can tell there's one star and in this one all the other characters are a bit flat or yeah, slightly problematic. He was friends with Sam. He popped. He had had a career by now. He's yeah. in Maniac Cop, you know. Like so he was bopping around and they gave him 
a lot to chew on to just be the the very good convincing slapstick that leads into kind of the tone of what will become this series the next movie the the series about it definitely not the remake movie and now the movie that they're going to be coming out with and, again and also is the very video camp. game oh right there's about to that, be a video I'm game and the musical the musical too. well the musical is something that i wanted to plug here that you know if you were around in 2009 and like the cleveland periphery of performing arts and you managed to see whatever production of evil dead the musical that i went at with had a splash zone and got t-shirts <laughs> that got covered in blood um had such classic musical numbers as what the fuck was that you know <laughs> i still to this day include that in my top five musical experiences and i'm and i'm a you know i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a musical guy they should do screenings with a splash zone of this movie I'm saying, you get, know, uh, get like it, John Waters in there to do like smell vision splash zone rehash of this. I'm down for that. This is a midnight classic. Yes. The Looney Tunes of horror movies. It is so bonkers and so much fun to watch. We, we had a fun experience watching this. The three of us just hanging out, but like in a packed movie theater, this is just fucking awesome. Yeah. And, and it's a little tough to... I wouldn't throw someone straight into Evil Dead 2. They're not going to really know the the you know the Necronomicon is not really explained in 2 as much as it's it's more of a feature in 1. You don't really care why the tape is recorded. There's there's the bit of the lore is lost in this one for some of the fun, but but coming from 1 into this, you're going to you kind of know already the story. Yeah, I think that you would get a little plotty if you were watching just this first time and being like, wait, what's the internal logic of how you kill them? Or It's like, there isn't any. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it. Anything can happen. Yeah, somehow a stump can activate a chainsaw. Yes, don't worry about it. And I think that's to the benefit of the movie being as campy as it is, is it gets to have all types of fun and you're always surprised by twists and turns just because they don't, ever go into any sense of like okay we really have to build this internal logic of like okay during the daytime this will be how they act and this is how you kill them if you hit their head or if you do this and say these words it'll reverse everything for sure you know it's like they have some guesses of things that will alleviate the demonic possession around them and stuff like that or you know maybe we read it again or backwards (laughs) or whatever but there's always a chance that you know it won't work and ash will just be thrown into another horrible situation it's like yeah there's there's no sure bets in this at all and the only real sure bet is that probably everybody around ash is going to die in a grisly way and ash is just going to have to kill all of them so (laughs) i think that keeps uh you know, as people knock on the door, you're like, okay, come on, we'll we'll get to know more red shirts. Twenty seconds, you know, but definitely, yeah. And we do have a bit of changing of the rules. the The demon can basically do whatever it wants. the on The evil force that's in the woods. There's, you know, we start off with Ash being thrown through the woods and then becoming possessed by this demon. But then once the sun rises, he's somehow broken this curse and. You know, he thinks he's back to normal. He thinks things are going to be okay. And that's then when he gets chased back into this, you know, cabin after finding out that the new bridge that's a little different than the old bridge, but should be the same one, (laughs) is now way more destroyed (laughs) and is a pretty cool set piece. And then comes running back in and has to deal with Linda's severed head. And then his own self. Yep. <laughs> Neg Scott. Uh, yeah, I think that's where 
this movie starts to take the turn after Linda's out of the picture, you realize like, oh, okay, um, this guy's just in a cabin and he's possessed by himself and he starts taking these like really good pratfalls and playing around with his hands and, you know, parts of himself that are possessed and then not possessed and those kind of things. So I think, you know, the first half of the movie, I doubt if there's like more than three genuine scares. It's really just like the army of darkness or lines, many people. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really just, you know, it's three stooges brand comedy. If you were to turn the sound off, I think it would work almost just as well. Like yeah. it, would, it would still work. You'd still know what is going on and it would still be funny and entertaining. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, mean, I think the, what it is is when the sun is coming up, that's right. When you start dark side of the moon and then it should match up <laughs> through the scene here as he's doing that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> backwards is better but yeah i mean like every you could do that to jamie's point and you know you still got like the fair he chops the hand and you know or he traps the hand under farewell to arms and like yeah. all of these visual gags are really like they're trying to put everything on screen rather than just trying to make compelling performance from him like talking to pretty much anybody throughout the movie about his his trial and tribulation like he just plays it all in his face and then once people show up they don't actually spend a lot of time actually like complaining to each other about their circumstances it's all action based which is good too and keeps it very 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 lean you know it's like a not tighter than 90 movie even with this injection of all new characters halfway through because at first they don't trust him then they immediately start to trust him and then they're all just running around and not talking to each other because there's no time (laughs) yeah you know and then we also find henrietta in the cellar it just keeps going and going little little ted ramey i will say it is in that first you know quarter it is some of the best self-possession fighting your own hand kind of <laughs> flopping around acting that i feel like i've ever seen i i, I yeah, thought it was it's like that and dr strange love yeah for, for fighting your hand in, for sure i thought it was going to be cheesier from my memory just because of how wild and you know fun and kind of campy everything is but it it's it's still played a bit campy but it, it's done very well he's he's not as ridiculous as i thought it it it, it comes off as a good possession of the hand yeah this is where Sam Raimi is, shines the best. People say like cheese and camp in negative terms, but like in this Not circumstance, this it, in this like <laughs> he knows how to like dress a film with a layer of cheese that is acceptable and fun and like beloved. It's a fine, fine, you know, French. This cheese. is some Parmesan. This is some yeah, stinky is, good stuff on here. Yeah. This isn't cheese whiz. All right. <laughs> This is something that has some smell to it. You know? Yeah. And in this film, it is delightful and is quite the addition to this uh, this meal we're having, this Evil Dead 2 meal. Yeah. And I think that's something that like if, if you watch the Star show or anything like that, like it pays a little bit of service to just everybody being used to that. And I would say sometimes, you know, when Sam Raimi's not behind the camera, there's a little bit of phoning it in, but whenever Bruce Campbell is involved, I will say that I've never seen him in this role or pretty much any others do his brand of cheese with any degree of half assery. You know, he's always <laughs> selling it. I mean, he sells it even, you know, you get a double slice of cheese in Army of Darkness, of course, because it's just a full blown comedy, but um, he's just a trusted household brand of cheese. I think that I, you know, 
would definitely think elevates this. And even if Sam Raimi was going for the same thing with somebody else who was playing it even a little bit straighter, you would completely totter over the edge here. Like, uh, I don't know, just off the top of my head, Toby Maguire. <laughs> so we clearly all love this movie, and I think it's it's fairly obvious how this fits into Halloween. I mean, I see this as a Halloween party. This is the Friday night you're going out. You're just having a rager with all your friends. You're in great costumes. You're with people who have put in some really good effort into their costumes and want to show them off. And by the end of it, it's just become a mess. Everyone is too drunk. There's food all <laughs> over the place. But you start off looking really good and you made sure your money counted in that costume. And that's how I feel like this movie fits into that spirit. It's just it's just full on. There's no half-assing it. There's no one showing up just dressed up in normal clothes. This everyone's going for it here. What are you dressing up as from this movie? Ooh. I mean the headless chainsaw wielding Linda's a good reach choice, you know. I, I, I mean, the easiest would just be Ash. All the other ones are very complicated. I know. I'm trying to think. Chris is the more tree. Of the complicated I could be the tree. Right. Like possessed Henrietta. Right. At, or or I'm Ted Ted Raimi as possessed <laughs> yeah. Henrietta. I could be the Necronomicon. You know, I could just. Uh, Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that I could be Sam Raimi wearing his, get away with his trademark yeah. suit with like some blood on it and like a camera, a clapper. We can make this, and happen. I feel like you. I feel like you don't see too many Bruce Camp or Ash Williams as costumes, and that's a you know easily identifiable one. That you just get the boomstick and the chainsaw, and you're you're yeah. off to the races, pretty much. I mean, he's not wearing like anything that would too be complicated. A, people don't have the chin, and they just know they'll they'll look ridiculous. You know, I need to look a little bit more like Maniac Cop, speak of the devil. Yeah, I feel I feel like if you're gonna do that costume, you have to get a fake chin and make it even more ridiculous. Right, it you has to be, be so big. If you're already like getting mask. stuff for the chainsaw, take like a yeah. cereal box and like. Yeah. Cut yeah, you got to look like Jim Carrey in the mask. <laughs> you got to like, be the, needs to be obnoxious. Here comes the crimson chin. Pretty you give me a lot of ideas, guys. I know I like this it. is going to be a good year. I'm telling you. But yeah, I think it, it hits on the 13th, you know, and I know we've had a couple that have been fun. You know, I think we're keeping it pretty light in the middle of the month to just keep that season going without too much heavy thinking or anything like that. Yeah. A nice Wednesday night viewing. Exactly. Order yourself a pizza like we did. Have some beers and have some fun. And I think that's uh, how I would connect it to Halloween and its day of the month. It's just kind of that sense of cursing. Yeah, I, I like that. It just makes you feel like you're you're trapped into this curse that you're out of control. You stumble into something magical and and sinister and, and haunted. And now you're just kind of caught in this, you know, well, let's be honest, that. Bruce Campbell was caught in his entire career just because he went into the wrong cabin or whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I like that sense. And, you know, the 13th strikes true on, you know, the timing there. So if you just whether it's this or God forbid you put on Evil Dead one or something, just having that slow drive up to the cabin on on a on a projection screen while your party's going is, you know, I can think of no more condensed image of yeah, yeah. spooky times. Yeah, that that kind of overhead tracking that's moving with the car. And then the first person perspective shots as the evil spirit, as the what type of demon is it? It starts with a K. The Kandarian uh, demon. Yeah, the Kandarian 
like that flying through the woods is just so iconic that now it's it'd be tough to try to put that into anything else and not have it be explicitly in conversation with with this film series and that's such a ingenious inexpensive way to not need to show anything crazy you just make tons of sound and you have a floating camera fly through some woods with and it just totally works they did it with a two by four they had two people carry the, like they bolted the camera to a two by four and walked slowly and i think they just like sped up the footage and yeah. not to get too like technical on the filmmaking but like i'm always impressed by some of the camera moves and like visual tricks that are not always like in your face that i found really impressive for something in this film and its previous film that I mean, they are just like inventing ways to be like, how do we make this work? Like, yeah. <laughs> like how do I mean, we make I fall, this work? I fall for a good fake mirror shot every time it's done. Yeah. Every time you've got someone else over the shoulder and the real actor is on the other side, but they're faking a mirror. It gets me every time. And every time I know how it's done, but I, it just works and I love it. Do you guys have a favorite scene from this movie? I know it is very, very tough. It's kind of a, this is a definitely a best hits, like, yeah. greatest hits album you it's hard to pick a favorite, but if we got a couple that, that just stand out for you other than the whole movie. I feel like it's on a lot in bars or like at parties, like in the background. And I'm always having conversations with people and I'm like, my eyes are like being drifted towards the screen to like catch something. Cause I'm like, oh, this scene's coming up. This scene's coming up. But I'd say the one that stands out, I always like the iconic scene is when he's just laughing and the entire cabin is laughing with him. The goofy deer on the wall is laughing. The lamb's yeah, laughing. It's, a great the laughing. Deer. it's just so over the top and ridiculous, but it's also unnerving. But it, it just like works as a scene. And it just he's just like, what the fuck am I in? Like, what is going on? And that's what makes the Ash Williams character work is that he's not a superhero. He's just a dude caught in a bad situation who is stumbling his way through it and surviving and usually at the detriment of people around him he gets to be cool like three times you know he's yeah. usually he's usually more of a larry curly or mo you know yeah. i don't know which of the three i would describe him to that's a good he, question yeah but, he kind of like levels up each movie you know and yeah this one, he, he in the next gets, one he really amps up the groovy you know and i think oh, yeah. the the set the part that i like you know just because it's iconic enough too is the first groovy when he gets the chainsaw in action or whatever just because you've seen him be doing the pratfalls and doing that side of his range so much that it's just really joyful to see him like then be in control of the situation and have things be afraid of him for a little bit. Cause there's for most of the rest of the series, it's really just that song and dance of who has the upper hand. It's a Tom and Jerry routine of just does Ash with a chainsaw chase the demon or does the demon chase him and you know, who gets in the way, you know? And I think that that's the first time, at least in this portion of it since this is kind of the reboot that he gets to have that upper hand he gets to show his like really campy cool guy you know flick out the cigarette routine um (laughs) and so yeah that always comes to mind for me yeah i i love in like two kind of opposite ends of the spectrum of filmmaking in this i like we were saying earlier i love the evil hand and just him fighting with that as just an actor acting right on screen very very stage play style there's, there's there isn't really camera tricks going on throughout the beginning of that until the hand gets away and gets on the wall and other things later on and then i i love the ending when the tree has turned full evil monster and has come through the doorway and it's just like the biggest full-on production with strobe lights everywhere for no reason and smoke machines and before he goes flying out the window with it just how 
ridiculous that must have been as a set and how big it gets. It definitely ups the ante at that point. It's like, oh yeah, we we got a few extra million. We're having a giant Lovecraftian monster just barge through the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think this is the problem, I guess, with you know how this movie exists as a classic that you know they couldn't just give him 30 million dollars and then make it that multiplier better or whatever it's kind of in this sad spot where that's a good example of something that works so well it's just this tactile thing that you're just impressed by because it's got this greg nicotero touch to it and it looks well and you're considering the budget while looking at it. it's not supposed to look real real you know it's supposed to just look impressive as a craft thing you know and it's it's impressionistic rather than anything else and i think that's the problem sometimes with i think army of darkness starts to spread itself thin at times you know love army of darkness with having things built with that level of craftsmanship which doesn't break into realism when there are scenes that are a little too lit and a little you know a little too long and a little too much like oh let's get the battlements together for this war scene it's like oh that's a different vibe you know and then i think it's even worse when it comes to trying to play to some of the same uh playing the same tune with the 2013 version of this movie which is very well financed which has very 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 good blood effects but loses and a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. you know, I, I, I haven't seen arterial most, spray like, out of an arm, you know, better done, but if that's a good thing, that's my question. You know, it's like, that's really how it was sold. was just like, Oh, evil dead, that violent movie. And it's like, no, that's not really it. You know, like <laughs> that's not what people love about it at all. You know, it's like, because the violence was egregious, in a camp way, not because the violence was egregious in a Gears of War way, you know, and, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not a Fede Alvarez hater. Don't breathe as good as other movies aren't great. But um, that movie middles for me just because they don't really get that. Like this was a, a moment in time when a little extra money would get him pretty much 100 percent where he needed to be. I'm sure another million would have added one more extra set piece or whatever. And that may have teetered it over the edge you know and I, I, it's it exists in this perfect middle ground and too much or too little more is to its detriment so that's why it's hard to see people try to redo some of the charm of this with cgi or try to redo the charm of this with less compelling actors or people with less chemistry it's just you can't really just make something play for laughs without all these ingredients working together as well as it does here you know to sing its praises And I think that's something that they did better in the second one than the first one with just the acts of evil that the tree and different things in the forest do to people is it's just much it's just quicker. It's funny. It just it kind of things happen off screen. People get possessed. You're not really sure how or why they spin around. Some people are already possessed. Some people are and then aren't. And it's just we don't have to go fully into the details of a tree raping someone in this one. The the rape tree is just a, a universally yeah, that, agreed that, as that is a great omission. <laughs> universally yeah. agreed to be just like let's just forget that happened. I'm sorry, like I you know like I mean they brought it back even harsher in 2013 <laughs> as they did with yeah, everything else. I, no thanks. I saw that movie in the theater and and you know that was at a time I feel like I was more into torture porn stuff. I feel like if I watched it now I'd be less interested. Yeah, I I considered a rewatch around this time and i thought it would just bum me out you know because i think there are good performers in it like i think yeah the, the main you know, actress is Jane great Levy is is somebody who should be in more stuff than just that whatever 
Fide Alvarez will give her every few years or whatever. Like she's she's not good. even in the Don't Breathe Two secret. Don't I know. Breathe too. I'm pissed. So, don't breathe too. Hold your breath. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that um, this is, the, I think the reason that certain people put this in edge above is because by the end of the first Evil Dead, you see that it's just catching a rhythm that it's like, oh, okay, all those other characters were kind of wasting our time. Yep. And now that I just have this one guy who's fighting back, this is like the most fun I've had in this movie. And then the, that's why the next movie, they were like, we'll make the stuff that led up to that be four and a half minutes long <laughs> so that yeah. we could just get to what everybody enjoyed so much. They're like, actually, Ash isn't dead. Uh, <laughs> let's just uh, Yeah, he flew that. through the sky yeah. and, now, and he gets possessed, he gets unpossessed. And I think that's why that first, I don't know what it is, 40 to 50 minutes of, of this is just so strong. It's just so much fun. And then you start involving other characters and almost when we cut to the other characters with the suitcase and the the other pages of the book and everything for a moment you're just like oh man like we're we're out of the fun now like okay let's get them to the cabin hurry and they they get there quick <laughs> yeah they they definitely like kills the pacing and they they have to do it but it's also like dude i just want to see like bruce campbell like cutting his off his other hand or something like <laughs> yeah more than anything i need to learn less about your research project yeah <laughs> like, it's like i don't give a shit and you're i know and exactly father. how much it's going to matter in about 20 minutes A fun anecdote of is about the sequel, because the sequel is the first one that I saw like on TV when I was a kid. And I was like, oh, my God, this movie's amazing. Like a dude is fighting skeletons. It's in the past. He's a chainsaw for a hand. Like, this is incredible. I remember asking my dad, thinking he would have the answer of like, Dad, do you know, like the movie with the skeletons and the dude who fights <laughs> them? And he was like, oh, yeah, that's Jason and the Argonauts. So I remember going to the Not the a bad video, answer to that. Not question. a bad answer. But I'm really, impressed you knew that. Yeah. I go to the, the video store and I get Jason and the Argonauts and I'm so pumped to go home and watch what I think is Army of Darkness. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? It takes a while to get through <laughs> those skeletons. I was like, this is, uh, and it, they, you know, they do show up and I remember still enjoying the movie, but I remember being like so like sad when I was like, this is not the movie. And I don't think I had the heart to tell my dad like he was wrong. I was like, like yeah, what do you think of the movie? It's still yeah, a fun like, sequence. It's it is. It is fun. It's fun. And, yeah, and, it, it, and I think there's a good a degree of like the tactile special effects would give you a palette to be like, oh, yeah, I can see how the stop motion. Grew. Unintentionally. I don't know how old I was. I was fairly young, probably too young to be watching Army of Darkness. But uh, it did introduce me to the whole Harry Housen. Yeah. Harry Housen genre of films. I, I will say there uh, there are a lot of fun random facts about this movie and things that you can dig into, like how Francis McDormand was almost in it. Oh man, that would have been great. <laughs> because uh, at the time of writing it, I guess Sam Raimi was living with Joel and Ethan Cohen, Holly right. Hunter, and Francis McDormand, and they were all working together on stuff. The, like, the post Blood Simple ragtag crew. Yeah. Just I can't imagine what like the ideas were that th were thrown around that room. They left. They I'm sure they left a lot of great stuff on the floor that I would have loved to just pick up and <laughs> get paid for. Wow, Francis McDormand, Holly Hunter in this movie. Yeah, that would have been something. A little too much. Little As too a much. Bo Bobby Joe, <laughs> they're like, yeah, hey, let's make Raising Arizona, and they were like, what if John Goodman cuts everyone in half, <laughs> <laughs> gets out of jail, rips them to shreds? Yeah. I mean, I guess they do have 
I'm trying to think in in raising Arizona if there is the flying camera before the motorcyclist. Yeah, I, feel like I think you do, that's a, you have a possessed at camera too, at the end too. Yeah, when they're near the bank or whatever. Yeah, I think you get a possessed camera there. I mean, that just was Nick Cage can do that with his mind. <laughs> have we done anything with Nick Cage on the podcast yet? I feel like I need to dive in. I All think right. we may have no. we may have mentioned like color out of space once or Mandy. Okay, but. <laughs> fine. I'll just say like day twenty eight or something. We'll be like to pause and watch Nick Cage's entire filmography and come back and you know, we'll talk <laughs> later. Uh, but yeah, I think that this is something that I, I love to just think of as a as a no notes movie. You know, like I really, if you look at the first one whether it's the trees or otherwise, like there are things to um, improve upon, but it's charming with this. I feel like anything to polish it better, like I was saying, or add any other elements or anything else would only play to its detriment. Like it's, it's, I think it's accidentally perfect. You know, I, I don't think it's, and that's luck. You know, that doesn't mean that Sam Raimi having control over everything <laughs> makes perfect movies as much as I like Spider-Man three, <laughs> but um, you know, it is, it is that kind of movie that you're also gleeful watching as somebody who just likes movies to just look and think of it in terms of its creation and just be like, wow, this was made with love. You can tell it's made with love. It's made with love by people that I respect. And it's so great that everything worked out the way that they probably wanted it to. Like that's that's the other type of glee watching it once it ends, where you're like, "Good job, everybody! <laughs> you, you nailed it!" It's I can't believe you yeah. did it. They pulled this off, and then it and it ends with that lead into the Army of Darkness, where it, it almost could end a little earlier. It almost doesn't need the full setup. I feel like to Army of Darkness, it it I feel like it hammers it a bit too much in the head of like you got to go to the next one now like there's part of me that's like oh i wish you kind of just cut this one off a little early and it could live on its own a little bit more yeah i i forgot just how much it's like yeah and it's pretty it's a long scene <laughs> yeah <laughs> for that's, it to be a cliffhanger. you think that there's gonna be because i mean you're what 79 minutes into a movie you think like oh okay the last third of this movie is gonna be in the 13th century it's like no we'll cut you out of here right when you get your your teeth wet but i think uh feet or teeth wet but um yeah i think that's something too where you look at that and just even this darkness of seeing everything being so well lit starts you start to realize like oh does this hag scene really work as well you know like it works once but you know i i think that i was always so excited as a kid when I was thinking Army of Darkness had the coolest poster to me, you know, yeah, just because it was, you know, the eyes are great, all that, but uh, of Dead by Dawn. But like, I always was thinking Army of Darkness was when it was going to really blossom into like this crazy big scale thing. And it does. And I was thinking that like, it'll get better every time. And then Army of Darkness disappointed me in that way. And it was like, wow, this is so different than what I was anticipating. I haven't been scared one time pretty much. And it's just this comedy. And, you know, I think that disappointed me when I was a whippersnapper because I was just looking for something different than I was sold, but definitely uh, worth a rewatch as well. So I think this, that's the thing about watching this and seeing that last scene. I think it's perfect as it exists just with this one entry in our pod, podcast playlist. But I've automatically been thinking the last few days, like, oh, man, I should probably watch Army of Darkness now, too, and maybe even check out some more episodes of the Star series just to get the fix a little bit better well hopefully uh sam raimi throws a little bit more of this uh 
cheese into uh, Doctor Strange whenever that comes out. Oh man! Well, the multiverse <laughs> is real. We know multiverse about it now. of madness. You know, yeah. Loki's telling oh, yeah. us secrets. So I haven't. I haven't. Doctor Strange and Ash Williams fighting. You know, Deadites. I'm here for it. Come on, yeah. just give it to us. Yeah. Just. <laughs> Do you think? Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness will also be a requel where they do the first movie in four minutes. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> that's like, all that movie deserves. I would tell a G4, come here. Like, get out of here. You're, you're dead. Okay, bye. And it just like, oh, no, it, he just isn't cuts dead, to a, it just cuts to a shot of Tilda Swinton normally dressed in a in like a chair in a studio apologizing for yeah. the first film. <laughs> you're probably wondering how I got here. Um, miscasting. But yeah, I feel like uh, my thoughts on this are obviously uh retreading a lot of ground that a lot of horror fans would say but i think that i would just say that two things that were huge in my young childhood were the sam Raimi spider-man series was the first time i really engaged with a franchise that i felt like was mine you know and bruce campbell has a really palpable ownership of certain parts of that especially the video games where he does a fantastic job being the narrator of those video games. And then, you know, just as I aged out of Spider-Man, I got into Evil Dead, I got another thing. So I don't know. I, I think that Bruce Campbell just has this inflated role, you know, as compared to other action heroes or horror heroes that probably have much more prolific careers. He stands aside giants with me for sure. So uh, even more than I guess I would even say Sam Raimi specifically. So this one is near and dear for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Raimi's career has definitely gone multiple directions into other things where Bruce Campbell is pretty tied down with this. And uh, I'm, I feel like this is just this is a film that there's no dislikes or nitpicks or things you'd change or things you care about. There's some funny what ifs with casting and, and things, but it's just it's just such a fun ride the entire time that there's really nothing for me, at least to change or even want to change in my mind only thing i can think of is those musical numbers now you know but i'm probably <laughs> one of eight people who really has that exposure i'm so glad I, I caught it when it was in town sorry you missed it jamie echoing everything you guys all said like we all love this movie and it's such a fun to revisit like every october really it's definitely a mainstay of like halloween watches and you know certainly deserved a place on our little playlist so it can it can be in the background of a good party or it can be the reason you're happy. It could be the party. Yeah. And either will <laughs> it, either yeah. will work for you. But it's a it and it's like a classic cable watch too, where it's just like you're flipping through, you watch whatever it is from one commercial to the other, you keep flipping around and then you end up just keep coming back to it, coming back. And on cable, it. this movie might end up being like fifty five minutes. So that's great. <laughs> it doesn't take up much of your day. You'll be you'll be a done by dusk let's put it that way <laughs> lol yeah. it's shorter than one episode of the falcon and winter soldier <laughs> that's true but we are uh excited for our next one just because it is a little bit more of an underseen pick so we're going from overseen or properly overseen overseen and a properly seen at scale saturated pick, uh to a little bit of an underseen pick so i think we're excited for our next one and we won't Tease it too much because yeah. uh, a, a movie that that made as much money as the first Evil Dead cost to make. Exactly. Oh. That's how you know we're definitely talking to the masses on this next one. But, uh, <laughs> you know, something that I think maybe even a couple years ahead of its market time, you know, so. And I haven't seen, so I'm very excited. Some WandaVision fans might like it. That's true. That's true. It was Agatha all along. I'm just saying. <laughs> 
But we'll catch you next time. Uh, Chris, any closing thoughts? Thanks for leading us through uh, the darkness here, if you will. I mean, no, no real thoughts. It's 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 not a hard one to lead through. The uh, camera basically forces you through this entire. Movie. Yeah, you were you <laughs> were just Bruce just Campbell being carried through the woods here. And, yeah, you know, I you did a great. I mean, job. I am glad we edited out the part where I laughed for two minutes and then kept turning away from the microphone laughing, <laughs> and you guys were just confused. Yeah, Chris, I, I didn't Chris, really we never off. saw that happen. Dun dun dun. Well, that's Mirror a good tricks. way to uh, a good way to close the book of the dead on this one. I know. <laughs> Necronama done. Hey. And blood. We'll see you tomorrow.